By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. We have Dr. Olivia Poya back on the Conscious Fertility Podcast to talk about male fertility. If you have not listened to our original podcast, do check out episode 19. It was called, it is called, I should say, Spermageddon, the Decline in Male Fertility. Now I'm going to give another introduction to Olivia, and then we're going to kind of continue this conversation because it takes two to make a baby, as in you need an egg cell and a sperm cell to have a healthy baby and to reduce the chance of miscarriage. And so I want to talk to her more about how and why this is, because I was inspired by a conference I attended, the Society of Acupuncture Research that was held in New York of May of 2023, which she spoke at. And so background on Olivia, um, she's a medical doctor. She studied medicine at the University of Graz. She holds an acupuncture diploma as well as an acupuncture diploma for Chinese herbal medicine. She is a fellow of the Acupuncture and TCM Board of Reproductive Medicine. That's the ABRM, as am I. We're both fellows of that. She has an integrated fertility clinic near Graz, where she has a focus on male fertility. And she's also the co-organizer of the international TCM Congress called the Dao in Graz, or Tao in Graz, which I've um, had the privilege to attend and speak at. And she's an author. She's written two books. One is Secrets from the Chambers of Jade Treatments of Erectile Dysfunction and Lack of Libido Using Chinese Medicine. And her most recent book is The Integrated Treatment of Male Infertility. And so welcome back, Olivia, to the Conscious Fertility Podcast. Thanks for having me. So good to talk to you again. It's nice to have you back. And what I want to do is I, I want to talk about the lecture that you did, but you know, for, that was for um, health professionals. This one's going to be really for uh, the, the public and emphasizing the importance or why you think it's important that men are involved in um, the equation when it comes to optimizing fertility. Now, in our original podcast, the one I mentioned, number 19, which was mm -hmm. called Spermageddon, there was a research paper that had shared that there is an issue with sperm, that there's a major decline. And then it had been refuted and people said it wasn't a good study. But at the conference, you said there has been even more research. So can you kind of share a little bit of what they mean by spermageddon and what is the current understanding of what's happening to sperm quality in men? So this paper that kind of created that term spermageddon, you know, which was first used by uh, the newspaper The Sun, was because there was a huge study done in 2017. And um, this uh, was a meta-analysis. You have to say, when it comes to the, the hierarchy of the quality of studies, a meta-analysis is really the one that is really above. Um, so this is really to be taken serious. 
And even in 2017, um, it showed that the sperm quality was declining by 50%. And then a lot of people said, well, but in this study, several countries and even continents are missing. And nobody knows whether if we take uh, southern continents um, in account too, the sperm quality will not be that bad. So they updated the paper and included all the continents now and the result was that the sperm quality worldwide is even worse than assumed in 2017. So there has been a decline by 62.3% when it comes to the total sperm count. That means that over the last 40 years you can say the sperm count, the number of sperm that is in an ejaculate roughly, has declined by 62.3%. So that is really, really a sad and worrying situation we are in at the moment. What is the course for that? That's a good question if you wanted to ask me that. That was going to be my question is why why do we care in a sense and uh, and what is the cause? Okay, why do we care is a a great one. (laughs) We do care because it affects a lot of couples, you know. When it comes to uh, becoming parents, it takes a good quality egg and good quality sperm and enough of good quality sperm. So obviously we have a problem, not so much with quality, but more with the count. So the number of of, of sperm that is in the ejaculate has declined by more than 50% and that causes problems and also quality of that sperm, of that genetic material that the sperm brings into the egg or is able to bring into the egg is also um, getting worse. So that that's to, to worry because if over the last 40 years that decline is more than 60%, yeah, w- mm-hmm. what's going to be the situation in the next 40 years, yeah? So we are not being able to father a child at all. And this, you know, you talked about couples, but if it's same-sex couples, women or single women, they still need to use donor sperm. So we still need sperm and good quality sperm to make the baby. True. Yeah. So whichever constellation wants to be a parent, just needs good quality sperm. Yeah. So that affects everybody. And that is going to be a huge problem over time. So that is really, really one of the big topics in future, how to solve that sperm quality problem. And the, the, the main problem is that hardly anyone is aware of it. Okay, so it's hard to change or correct a problem if you're not even aware of it, if your head's in the sand. Are there other, um, you know, with the big decline in sperm count, are there other things that they see that is in decline also through this research and what you know about the men's health and hormone health, or is it yeah. just the count they're seeing? It's, it's not the count. If you, hmm. if you would dare to assume that with the decline of the sperm quality, and there could also be a general decline in male overall health, causing hormonal problems such as a lower testosterone level, for example, uh, then, you know, it, it aggravates the problem. Yeah, so you could say, you know, it's not just sperm. Yeah. Some men don't really want to father a child and still for some reason their semen gets tested, such as if they are at the military, for example, or for some research or at university or 
as a, an overall health exam, whatever, yeah? And then just um, without intention, yeah, uh, they realize that they have a bad semen quality. And even if they don't want to father a child, yeah, that gives you a clue about the, the overall health of this man. So it's not just, it, it's representative for the general health of a person, you could assume. Right, so we right. do know that if the sperm test is bad, then this male person might be more likely to develop certain kinds of cancer, for example. That is proven. Yeah, that reminds me of Dr. Paul Turk, who we both know. He's a reproductive urologist. Yeah. And he had shared that um, a semen analysis where you see poor quality is a canary in the mind idea. It is a, a window into the overall health. And he suggests that if there's a poor semen analysis, yeah. the man should have a real good workup now. As you said, certain cancers and uh, hormonal health issues. So, so it's not just about having a child. This is a marker, a biomarker of, of well-being then. Yes, true. And that is really, really important to be aware of. I wanted to, because I think for our listeners, um, I want them to stay tuned because we're going to talk about things that can be done to help improve sperm. But what are the things that we're noticing then with male factor? As in, it used to be, I've been, I've been in, in this field since 2000, the men were almost ignored if they had a normal semen analysis. And... Do we now know that the men, are they, are they impacting pregnancy rates? Is the sperm impacting miscarriage rates? What's the data on that? That is really important to point out that a good sperm quality is not only necessary to fertilize an egg, yeah, but it's also necessary for the embryo to be able to have a further development yeah, and, and to kind of secure the pregnancy. So what I mean is that there is a huge amount of women that suffer from abortions. So they have and, and, one abortion okay, just, after another. I want to clear when you say abortion, because that's the medical term, not that they're choosing to terminate the pregnancy. No. You're saying they're having early pregnancy loss when you say Early abortion. pregnancy loss. That's what I, yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, so they, they really have early pregnancy loss, yeah. And then they get checked up and there's nothing to be found at the side of the woman, yeah. But now um, there's the sperm that has to be taken into account. So that what I want to say is that um, sperm really contributes a lot to the quality of the embryo. And if that contribution yeah, is not of good quality, the pregnancy might not be able to continue. Yeah. So you know, that and it's, could it's be a reason for pregnant, early pregnancy loss, especially when um, that pregnancy loss happens within the first, let's say, nine weeks, yeah, then you always have to hear the alarm bell yeah, for checking for uh, sperm DNA fragmentation. So I want to talk about that test DNA fragmentation because what, what I'm thinking of or what you're reminding me of is that it used to be, it was always on the women, right? They just, because the semen analysis would look normal for a lot of guys. And, and as you just shared, normal today would be subfertile 20 years ago, yeah. right? So, so we got to be careful with normal. Normal means most men are subfertile, I guess, or, you know, it's not, it doesn't necessarily mean that these are robust, healthy numbers that we're seeing because we keep lowering the, the bar for what we consider 
the, the normal. Too. But a lot of times the males worked up as in semen analysis, it looks, it looks normal. The, the, nothing's flagged um, because they've adjusted the ranges. And yet the partner, the female's having early miscarriages. And I've even heard of unexplained infertility. So are you seeing that in your clinical practice that the miscarriages and unexplained can often be attributed to the men? And that's what you're sharing. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's that's often the case. And then a normal basic semen analysis um, isn't um, the end of the exam story the male has to go through. You know, you have to really dig deeper and look at the quality of the genetic material of the sperm. And that is called the DNA fragmentation test. Yeah, that means um, if there, there are strand breaks within the DNA, that sperm could maybe fertilize an egg, yeah, but the embryo quality would be low, causing eventually pregnancy loss. So um, I had a question around that, Olivia, because um, so the DNA fragmentation test, um, today at the time of recording, more people are aware of it because it's, it's being used more often, but it's still not a standard of, of care. And it's in yeah. Canada, it's, you know, it's a paid test. I don't think it's covered at this point in time. Somewhere around 500 Canadian plus or minus 100. I can't quote me on that, but it's not an inexpensive test. But they used to say that ICSI, so injecting this, an IVF where they inject the sperm into the egg, is how you bypass DNA fragmentation. Mm. But, but you're still, it's still the, the DNA that you're injecting. So wouldn't that still result in early pregnancy loss or unexplained infertility if you do ICSI? What's your, do you have any thoughts around that? Because I, I don't know if that's still the standard of care over in Gras, but that's kind of what they would suggest. So what you could do, um, you would finally... If a guy has a lot of broken DNA um, in his genetic material, yeah, you would better go for ICSI. Yeah? But still, ICSI wouldn't be the solution because what you really want to do is um, check out the DNA of that sperm that you want to fertilize the egg with yeah. without busting that sperm. Yeah? Okay, So mm -hmm. you, you, you don't want to just test it and lose it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to test it and use it. Yeah? Right. So there are certain methods like, uh, for example, there, it's called the pixie dish, yeah? mm -hmm. where you can um, have the, the single sperm checked for a DNA uh, strand breaks or a good DNA material and then use it for ICSI. So that's what they okay. have I to do. And now in your, in your book that you've written, you talk about a lot of natural ways to help improve sperm quality, including DNA fragmentation. So can you share some of the factors that can lead to DNA fragmentation and then kind of what would be your approach? So one of the main issues causing DNA fragmentation is infections. Yeah. So they are really, really often not noticed, you know, if you have an infection of your testicles, for example, of your pearl state, of your epididymitis, yeah, most of the men don't notice that they suffer from an infection, but still um, that harms the sperm. And the, the simple thing to do against it is use antibiotics. And so with antibiotics, you really have to be careful in use, yeah. But if you test for that infection and you, you know which bacteria is causing it, yeah, then you really have to go with, with that certain type of antibiotics to, to use against that infection. And that will, yeah, that will just um, lead to, to better sperm after 
a certain period of time, you know. Sperm development okay. takes two and a half to three months to change, to recover, whatever, yeah. So after that time, um, the semen quality will be really, really different and far better if you just um, go against that infection. And um, the next thing is we do not live a sperm-friendly lifestyle <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. So everything that is eating your gonads might lead over, over uh, a certain amount of time to um, DNA fragmentation, that's for sure. So you're talking like, so fever, sickness, long bicycle rides or sitting, hot tubbing, the varicoceles yes. that some men get as well? Stona, yeah, using the, the, the heat in the car seats, really bad, yeah. So overheating the gonads, yeah, is a huge problem and that always ends up in uh, DNA fragmentation, yeah. So if you are aware of that, it's quite easy to keep your gonads cool. Yeah, okay. but you need to you need to know about that. Yeah, okay. then you you certainly have to because we are using such a stressful life, which also stresses the cells. Yeah, mm -hmm. and sperms are cells, okay. so they suffer from any kind of we call that oxidative stress to the cell. Yeah, which really harms the uh, the sperm quality. And what you can hold against that oxidative stress is antioxidants, yeah? Okay. So that's really, really good to have an intake of certain supplements that increase the amount of antioxidants, yeah? And you choose, I saw in your book, you're recommending both diet, antioxidant diet, and antioxidant supplements. Definitely. One of the things, and, and the stress part, again, re reducing the stress, and you talked about stress causing oxidative stress because stress leads to those stress hormones, it leads to inflammation and oxidative stress, so reducing stress. And I know you use acupuncture in your book to bring blood flow to the testes. Is there, I, I believe in your lecture you, okay. that I was at at the conference, you talked about acupuncture um, impacting oxidative stress and I think nitric oxide as well. Can you share a little bit of, about that and the importance of that? What do you mean with that exactly now? What do you want me to... I wanted to talk about the, the varicoceles. I'll rephrase the question because you were talking about yeah. heating the testes, the gonads, and how yeah. that's, that can impact both uh, heat, motility, and count, right? And then mm -hmm. you talked about also DNA fragmentation. The varicoceles yeah. are like these. Um, well, if you can share with the audience kind of what a varicocele is because it's something that comes up in a fertility workup. And then kind of uh, you, sh you shared in your presentation both using herbal and acupuncture for varicoceles as well mm -hmm. as surgery. Yeah. So I'd love to hear okay. a little bit more about that. So varicoceles are really, really common in men, you have to say. Even in fertile men, to a high percentage, such as 25% of fertile men suffer from varicoceles as well without knowing. Yeah, so obviously just having a varicocele does not always affect the sperm quality, but sometimes it does, you know, it's like puzzle pieces, yeah? If that's the only puzzle piece, yeah, that might affect the sperm quality, the body can hold against it, yeah? But if there's lots of puzzle pieces, some, then the scale is going to go um, to the wrong side, yeah? So varicoceles in, are, are seen in about 80% of uh, infertile men that have fathered a child before. Yeah, so obviously that's a common cause of secondary infertility. And what they do, you can 
just think of it, it's just their varicosis yeah, of the semen strand. So um, they kind of heat the, the testicles. Yeah, that's, that, that's one harm they can do. And the second thing is that they uh, diminish the uh, oxygen flow to the testicles. So on there's the two main reasons why varicoceles are so bad, yeah? And fortunately, in the new andrology guidelines, yeah, it is to be read that they have to be uh, corrected by surgery. If they are palpable and they really have a certain grade, so grade two to grade three, they should go for surgery. But some people don't like to have surgery, yeah? And some people are not offered surgery by their andrologist or urologist because he isn't aware of the update of the guidelines. Yeah, so such a thing happens, unfortunately. Yeah, and then we are lucky enough to have another tool out of our TCM toolbox and offer them treatment via acupuncture or herbs to correct their varicoceles. And according to studies, it's worth a try. You know, and I wanted to share, like, I'm a fan of the integrative approach. So you have this underlying, say, imbalance that has led to the varicocele. This is like, yeah. um, you know, varicose veins in the testes. And yeah. so, like you said, the standard of care is now surgery to reverse it, right? And I still like the acupuncture and herbal while you're waiting, because in, in our province, it still could be quite a wait to have that surgery. Yeah. And also the idea is to treat the underlying cause so it does not reoccur. And so... There is some small studies, but there are studies using Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture. So can you discuss a little bit about that, just that that does exist using herbs and acupuncture for varicocele repairs? Yeah, there is some study done um, with a very famous um, herbal formula called Guizifuling one, yeah, using Cinnamon, we all know cinnamon, yeah, so that's the main herb, yeah, which is um, in, that, in, in that formula. And that study quite went well because it corrected 71% of varicocele. So it's worth a try, yeah? especially when you have a, a waiting time um, to have your surgery done. So maybe you might not need it in the end. <laughs> yeah. And, and acupuncture as well. There was the study. And acupuncture as well. So, and you know, a really a good TCM therapist would always combine acupuncture with the herbs. Yeah. Right. So. And that's in, in Chinese medicine, that is called a Tao Ma group, yeah, which means um, that you have a, a horse carriage. Is that the, the sure. correct word? Yeah. yeah. And you have two horses, yeah, that would carry your carriage. Yeah. That's always uh, wiser than just having one. One horse. Oh, I like that. So you got two horses, one's the acupuncture, one's the herbal. So again, yeah. the integration. And I was curious in your practice, again, I want to share um, talking to a reproductive urologist. Theoretically, after you do a varicocele repair, within 72 to 90 days, the time for spermogenesis, you would expect the sperm to be okay. But they said clinically it can sometimes take up to six months, which is interesting, versus just three months. So I just wanted to share with the listeners and check in with you, Olivia, but um, give yourself that six-month window to see a shift. It doesn't always, for whatever reason, happen after three months, although theoretically it should, clinically reproductive urologist, it was Dr. Paul Turek who, who shared with me that sometimes it can take up to six months after yeah, the repair. That's, 
That's what I see in my clinic as well. Yeah. So I always tell my patients um, at the start that um, we should better assume a treatment time um, of six months. Yeah. And then talk about the results. The three months checkup is kind of a, you know, where are we checkup? Yeah. But it might not be um, the, the end of the journey. Sometimes, you know, we are all different and sometimes um, the recovery potential of um, a person yeah, is lower and sometimes it's bigger. Yeah. We, are, we don't have the, the same amount of energy um, that could be used for that recovery. So Olivia, I want to talk about COVID and male fertility. First, I just kind of want to recap then some of the issues that we were talking about. I think we went into like some DNA fragmentation issues, like things that damage yeah. the sperm and quality. So we talked about heating the sperm and there's things that you can avoid that heat the sperm. There's varicose seals that can heat the sperm and cause oxidative damage. And so you mentioned surgery is now the standard of care. And there's also acupuncture and herbal medicine to support that. And then there's other things. There's hormonal imbalances, diabetes, there's a poor diet. We talked about at your at the conference, you talked about stress and just lifestyle and aging. All that can affect um, sperm quality. So there's things through diet and lifestyle that people can do, men can do to support their sperm health, as well as acupuncture, herbs, and supplements. COVID. I want to ask you a bit about COVID because that's kind of a recent thing. We had the pandemic. And um, you shared at the conference some of the impact that COVID, I guess you can call this kind of post-COVID infection, has on sperm. So can you kind of enlighten us with what you've been seeing in the literature and in clinical practice? The thing is that COVID affecting the testicles yeah, and almost any cell type um, of tissue that is uh, in the uh, testicles yeah, could be easily entered by the virus because from the very beginning of the pandemic, we do know that most of the patients suffered from lung issues. Do you remember that? Yeah. And that is because the lung had has so many so-called ACE receptors. Yeah. So it's easy for um, the virus to to enter a cell via those receptors. Yeah. What we didn't know at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, was that there's even more ACE2 receptors in the testicles. Yeah. But we do know now because we now have to deal with the side effects of a COVID infection. Just imagine the, the virus enters not only the lung, but also the testicles. And of course, it damages all the structures that are necessary to produce proper sperm. So sometimes when I see a semen analysis, and not sometimes, but always, one of my first questions I asked the man is, um, did you have COVID? Did you suffer from COVID? And if he says yes, I asked him, okay, how long ago? So because we now know that up to six, but definitely three months, yeah, COVID has a huge impact on sperm quality. So 
it takes one or two complete changes of sperm yeah, to kind of wash out the impact of the virus. For our listeners, this is because this is where there's a difference between the men and the women. Women have all their eggs are born with, but men are making sperm all the time, 1,000 to 1,500 every heartbeat. So when you say two cycles, since it's 72 to 90 days is the spermogenesis on average to, to produce immature sperm, you're saying yeah. that if you had a COVID infection, it's kind of one or two cycles of that three-month process, so three to six months to clear it out of the system? Yes, definitely. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, and that is really relevant, yeah, because if you want to father a child with COVID-affected sperm, <laughs> you're unlikely to succeed. Just don't give up. Go over that uh, uh, three-month, six-month period. Yeah, just take more time. Yeah, give yourself more time. To um, recover, um, more time to recover. To recover, yeah. And, and don't, don't go straight into IVF because your sperm quality is not that good if there is an explanation such as post-COVID infection. In yeah, the last then three just to six, wait. The last three months. Yeah. I like to strategize always. And so I, I'm, I'm going to share a thought and I'm curious what you think. Um, IVF is quite, it gives us some babies. So it's, it's amazing technology and yeah. it's an expensive and an invasive process. Um, and so if I was knowing I'm planning an, an IVF in the near future, I'm the man or I'm with somebody that's male, you know, that's going to produce the sperm and they have not had COVID or they haven't had COVID for over six months, I may want to freeze sperm as backup so I don't have to worry about getting COVID during my window of doing IVF. I mean, it's not like everybody can do that, but it, it's just the strategy of banking sperm because COVID is still going around. Might be a backup uh, opportunity. Yeah. So just um, talk to your um, IVF F doctor about it, and I don't you know, know if, yeah, if, if, if you have a, a bad immune system, for example, yeah, that would be a useful strategy. You know, I think about it, it's not a great comparison, but I'm going to use this as a comparison that when a woman gets diagnosed with cancer, for example, that does not have children or wants to have children, here they, they will go in and do an IVF immediately to retrieve eggs before they start chemo and radiation, right? Same with men. So they are really told to kind of really... Um, so um, if a man has a cancer, they'll do the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. True. So yeah. I'm thinking COVID, it's, we're not always, I'm thinking similar idea, but here's a case where we're like, you can catch COVID. It's not like you're, you're thinking you're going to catch cancer, right? But we know COVID is, is there and people are yeah. still getting infected. So it's just another strategy. I want to clarify, I'm not saying you need to go do this. I'm just giving you some thought. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here where if I was planning for an IVF coming up or even trying naturally, especially if if I or my partner, if my partner's female of advanced maternal age, I don't want to lose three to six months. So yeah. I may want to talk to my, my medical doctor about freezing sperm as backup so I continue to do my normal natural fresh sperm, you know, through intercourse or IUIs. Mm -hmm. But if I got COVID, then during those three to six months, then I may want to use my sperm that I froze pre-COVID. Yeah, so that might actually be a useful strategy, especially for couples with, uh, where the partners have advanced age. And it's yeah. not only the women <laughs> that <laughs> well, you kind know what, of I, really... I, you know what? I made that mistake right there. We're always 
focusing on the female. So I want to touch about, so if you have anything sh more to share about COVID, please do so. But I think we, we talked, that was nice that you shared that because that brought information that a lot of us weren't aware of. And two is men and age. And then let's talk about men and weight as well. Okay, so men and ages, yeah, you always think about you need young eggs, yeah, to have more potential to conceive, but that's not true because um, it's also um, the paternal age that comes into account. So um, with um, men aging, yeah, uh, the probability of, of, of fertilizing an egg yeah, is also going down. With advanced paternal age, yeah, you might really want to use every strategy you have to improve your sperm quality, yeah? such as eat a good diet, use supplements, have a proper intake of antioxidants, yeah? watch your temperature of the gonads, have enough sleep, yeah, and all the thing and avoid everything that could harm yeah. the sperm. Yeah, so that's really, really important as well. And we know men can father children much later in life, but our goal is always healthy baby. And so True. that's the research where they're showing the health of the child can be impacted by the health of the father and the age of the father. So again, biological, there's chronological age and biological age. So you're talking about sleep, exercise, rest, eating well, diet, supplements, things to kind of keep you as biologically young as possible. And then sometimes yeah. I know because of your book and how you practice, you you use acupuncture and herbal medicine as well. We're going to go into the weight. I wanted to ask you this so based on the research. What's the dosaging of acupuncture in your practice and what's duration? Because when I looked at some of the studies that you shared at the Society of Acupuncture Research Conference, and I, I'm asking if I've interpreted it right, because it's kind of how I like to do my practice. It seems like the norm from the research is twice a week and anywhere from 10 to 16 treatments over twice a week. So people could be going for like up to eight weeks of treatment. At least. Yeah, at least. So can you share, so is that what you're seeing clinically and that's what the research is showing? Because some people say, do I come twice a week? Do I come once a week? Every two weeks? Do I just come once? What is the research that you've looked at so far sharing and how are you seeing this clinically, anecdotally as well? The question, if acupuncture works the way we want it to work for a certain issue, yeah, is, is really dose dependent. For every strategy, it would be better if they came in twice. So then the results would be perfect. But sometimes, you know, people don't have the time Yeah, They just can't make it uh, twice a week into your clinic. And sometimes they don't have the money. And then sometimes a strategy where it's okay to have them have acupuncture once a week yeah, is to set them on herbs. Yeah. So, so now we're back well. to the uh, two horses with the carriage. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. So, so, so then you, you need a second horse, whatever that is, yeah? Is it supplements? Is it diet? Is it Western herbs? Is it Chinese herbs or whatever? But you would definitely want a second horse or a third or a fourth. But the more horses you have, yeah, the more likely you are to end up where you want to be <laughs> on your journey. Yeah, so but, that's no, that, kind that, of... No, it makes sense. Picture. And, and it, yeah. again, the reason I wanted to share this is sometimes I, people come to me after they've, they've gone somewhere else and they'll come to my practice and... Often 
they might have seen somebody, but it was once a week or every two weeks or once a month. And they were getting good treatment. They just weren't getting it often enough. And the idea, my understanding, my experience is we're, we're helping the body find that homeostasis balance to help it do its own innate ability to heal. And so it's not forever. You're doing this and it's concentrated treatments, but the, you get to pull away the treatment as the body takes over and it finds that balance when you reduce that oxidative stress, when you increase the nitric yep. oxide, as you're sharing in some of the research at the conference, increasing the blood flow, balancing the hormones. Once the body's in balance and they're eating well, they're living well now, they're, they're doing all the things they can do, then it should hold, right? True. You know, what I think is so important is that becoming healthy, improving sperm quality or egg quality or, or whatever issue you are treated for, yeah, is not a passive process. Yeah? Right. It should be an active one, yeah, with a little help, yeah, of your therapist. That's, you know, the therapist gives you one or two horses, but then you as a patient are responsible for the other ones. Yeah? It's, we're facilitating in there and there's some accountability and responsibility on both sides, but definitely... It's not a passive, uh, and I, you probably know our patients aren't very passive. They're pretty proactive. Yeah, that's ways. good. Yeah. yeah, that's what I love about them. But do you, do you know where this once a week uh, acupuncture for 20 minutes comes from? I believe it came from back in the day, the Nixon days, when body workers brought it over because yeah. um, they saw people once a week. Yeah, true. So when um, acupuncture was brought from China to the West, then they uh, kind of, tried to figure out um, which therapy was similar to acupuncture, yeah, because um, they couldn't kind of really, really deal well what acupuncture is and in which kind of uh, drawer that fits in, yeah. So they assumed it might be just like physiotherapy or massage, and therefore it became uh, usual to use it once a week for 20 minutes because um, that's what the physiotherapists and massage therapists right. did. But that's not what they were doing in it, China it, and Korea. Totally <laughs> not. You get acupuncture every other day. Yeah, yeah for a series of series yeah. of 15 or 30 treatments and then reassess. Yes. All right, let's finish up with weight. And the reason I want to talk about this is when we see a couple, a male and female couple, we're always looking, talking about the female weight. And that's part of our society, right? You know, the women's working really hard to be in shape and have that flat belly. And then men have that really, can have a really large belly. So does being overweight for, for like male being severely overweight, can that affect the sperm DNA? Does that damage the sperm DNA? Does that impact miscarriage, unexplained infertility? And if so, how? Definitely. Yeah. So if the father is overweight, the couple is more unlikely to conceive. That's what it is. Yeah. Because, okay. um, you know, in the, the fat tissue, the testosterone gets converted into estrogen. Yeah. So finally, um, the male partner will lack of testosterone and that will, of course, um, show up negatively in the sperm quality and in his erectile functioning and everything testosterone is for. Yeah. So um, that has kind of um, an overall effect of his whole well-feeling. Right. Yeah. So if you're having a decline to testosterone, there's the sperm production, there's muscle mass and mood, right? Um, there's we, brain function. Brain function. We start there's to energy get... Energy level. The What was that? Energy level. Energy level. And that's when we start to get the, the male breast pattern, right? Where they start to... Yes. So you can start to see it in your body. Not so, There's biomarkers you can measure through blood and semen analysis, but yeah. 
There are subjective feelings, and then there's things that you can observe, body shape changing. And if both partners are overweight, we know the research you shared that that reduces the chance of having an IVF take-home baby. And then if it's the male, we know that also, as you're sharing, increases potential miscarriage rate and pregnancy rate. So weight is important. And can you talk a little bit about, because it was nice to see you shared a paper about using acupuncture for weight loss based on how it impacts um, some of the hormones related to um, our cravings. Yeah, there, there's a, a good um, a research study out there that just um, tried to investigate whether only acupuncture without any lifestyle changes, yeah, would uh, change the BMI of, in this case, it was done in women, and it could, yeah. So they had a, a mean weight loss, um, burned down a little, <laughs> they had a mean weight loss um, of about three uh, kilograms within the five uh, weeks period of treatment. And what I personally, as a medical doctor, uh, find really, really interesting is that the serums of um, insulin, leptin, ghrelin, which are responsible for how the body works with uh, the intake of glucose and how hungry we are, yeah, how how many cravings we have, yeah, could also um, be lowered. Yeah, and that was that study was on women, and again we were talking about dosage. It was for five weeks only, but twice a week for five weeks. Twice a week, yes. Right. You it has that. like a yeah. compound effect. I think of it like the um, earthquake Richter scale. That if you have an earthquake that goes from a three to four, it's not a power of one. It's like a power of ten. Like that from three to four, it's there's a magnitude of change. And from one to two acupuncture treatments in a week, it's not like you just doubled up. There seems to be a much more magnitude or compounding effect. You know, we didn't talk much about it, um, but you talked about the two horses and we talked about herbs. So there is research also using herbal medicine and, and male fertility. So let's talk a little bit about that, that horse that you call Chinese herbal medicine. Yeah, Chinese herbal medicine is really good investigated, yeah, when it comes to boosting sperm, yeah. So there are certain formulas that are really, really well studied and really, really ranked high in the hierarchy of, of type of studies done. And there is one really, really uh, famous one, um, which is the pill of the ancestors, would be the translation into English. And that is easy to start with for every TCM therapist, to be honest. Nice. So, Olivia, I want to thank you again for um, coming on to Conscious Fertility Podcast. For our listeners, check out episode 19, Spermageddon, the Decline in Male Fertility. And today we talked about there's many factors that can impact male factor, diet, lifestyle, stress, the environment, our body weight. And uh, there's an integrative approach we talked about using surgery now is seems to be the standard of care in western medicine to reverse varicose seals we also shared how there's research and approach using acupuncture and herbal medicine to help um, reverse varicose seal repairs and you're sharing as a medical doctor and trained in acupuncture herbal medicine you like those three horses if you have it do all three and uh, you shared um, again just summarizing some of the cool highlights dosage matters so for men, usually it's twice a week, and you're looking at a minimum of five weeks up to eight or 12 weeks of treatment to see some changes. And that COVID, COVID, um, they're starting to show that it can impact the sperm quality. 
allowing us to have two, at least one or two cycles before you see a shift back in the sperm because we're always making sperm. So, and that, that would be three to six months when we say one to two cycles for that. And, uh, and then there's things that men can do to optimize their fertility. Why do we want to do this? Well, it takes two cells, an egg and a sperm cell to make a healthy baby. So healthy egg, healthy sperm. And, um, you're sharing that the research is showing that the men can contribute to unexplained infertility and to early pregnancy loss or somebody's having recurrent pregnancy loss. It, it, there could be a contributing factor from the men. Semen analysis is not enough often. It may say normal and normal has changed from what it was 20 years ago. And so DNA fragmentation tests is another test. And then when doing ICSI, what was the procedure you liked? It was Pixie that you said to help. Pixie dish, for example, yeah. yeah or like Max, that. whatever uh, selection method uh, the, the clinic chooses and offers. Yeah. yeah. And then, as you said, the accountability responsibility, there's, you talked about the acupuncture and herbal as a horse, but then the accountability part is not being passive. So and this goes for both the man and the woman in this. You add other horses, so diet and lifestyle and sleep and supplements, all these things you keep adding horses to the carriage, there's a better chance it will make the journey. And I, I think I that's the big summary, right? Did I did I sum us up nicely? There's things uh, well done. That's <laughs> right. So uh, to connect with Dr. Olivia Poyer, you can uh, connect with you how? What's kind of your where do where do they find you if they want to find you? And I do want to say your books one more time. There is the and is it in English now? Because I, I think I got the you sent me a copy, but I don't think it was in English, the one on erectile dysfunction. The erectile dysfunction one hasn't been translated yet. Yeah, no, so, it's so in I do German. Have, yeah, yes, yeah. So I ha that's the book I have. I got that signed. Yeah. So for our English listeners, the book that you may want to look at and ask your practitioner to look at is the integrative treatment of male infertility. And then how can they connect with you as well? Well, they could connect with me via email, of course, or um, by having a look at our website. But uh, still, you know, I'm seated in Austria, <laughs> in Europe. There could be somebody from Austria listening to you, listening yeah, to this right now. Yeah, could be. So, yeah. That's right. If you're um, in local Vancouver and you want that integrative approach, then you can check us out at AccuBalance. Yes. Um, we'll put um, Olivia's uh, social media in the show notes. And also, um, some of the slides that we shared from your talk, we'll put that in the video version, which can be found on laurenbrown.com. So there's a tab there called Conscious Fertility Podcast on the laurenbrown.com website. And so if you want to see the video of me and Olivia chatting with some of the slides from the presentation uh, that she did, that will be up there on laurenbrown.com. Olivia, thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren. It was great fun talking to you. And thank you for giving me that platform and going with me on that mission uh, to change the approach um, to a 50-50 approach um, when it comes to uh, creating a good quality embryo yeah. and taking home a baby. Yeah, people want a healthy baby. But as yes. you know, and I know, usually it's the female that's in coming in for treatment, even when it's known as male factor. And so, yeah, it's important if the goal is healthy baby, then we want not only the egg quality, and uterine environment, but we also want sperm quality. Here's the good news. Usually, sperm is much easier to improve. Yeah, it's, but still, you know, men have to be aware of the fact that they are part of the journey as well, yeah? <laughs> yes. we, we really invite the men to get involved, and we know most of our listeners are females. If you're in a relationship with a man and you're trying to have a family, then have him sit down maybe and listen to this podcast and the one that uh, Olivia did on episode 19. 
And there's also one by Dr. Paul Turek, who's a reproductive urologist, um, sharing it. And I know men sometimes want that science and credibility. So Dr. Olivia Poya, she's a medical doctor, and she's also trained in Chinese medicine, so in acupuncture and herbal medicine. Dr. Paul Turek is a reproductive urologist, so hopefully if they hear it from them, that will inspire, motivate them to want to get more involved. Thank you, Olivia. You're welcome. Thank you. If you're looking for support to grow your family, contact AccuBalance Wellness Center. At AccuBalance, they help you reach your peak fertility potential through their integrative approach, using low-level laser therapy, fertility acupuncture, and naturopathic medicine. Download the AccuBalance Fertility Diet and Dr. Brown's video for mastering manifestation and clearing subconscious blocks. Go to AccuBalance.ca, that's A-C-U-Balance.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe.